Welcome to the Culture Happens podcast, where we discuss the future of work and company culture. My name is Courtney, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm a specialist on HubSpot's internal communications team. Today in this episode, we're talking about how communication can impact productivity, especially in a hybrid world. So now growing up, I remember hearing the phrase, work smarter, not harder. And it's been my North Star and my guiding compass ever since. It's also a key ingredient for how companies measure productivity. According to Expert Market, effective communication can increase your organization's productivity by 25%. And in a world where employees are encouraged to do their best work, working efficiently is more important than ever. That's why implementing the right communication strategies is critical. So in today's episode, joining me for discussion are two amazing HubSpotters, Tyler and Kelsey. Yeah, great to be here, Courtney. Thanks for having us. Wonderful. So I want to first start off by asking both of you to share your title, a brief description of your role at HubSpot, and how long you've been at the company. Kelsey, let's start with you. Sure. So hi there. I'm Kelsey Ballamtosh. My pronouns are she, her. I'm currently the manager of customer experience at HubSpot, which sounds like a big title. My team leads the research, design, and implementation of new service offerings for HubSpot customers in our platform. So we're always thinking through how we can improve the customer experience with new services offerings. And I've been at HubSpot for four and a half years. I'm Tyler Kindy. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm the tech lead of the search optimization product team at HubSpot. So we build all of the SEO tools that are in HubSpot, the product, uh, including the SEO recommendations tool to help people optimize their websites for search. Uh, I've been at HubSpot for about two and a half years full-time, but if you count a couple internships I did with HubSpot, it's closer to four. Thank you both for the introductions. Now, before we jump in, if you guys are good with it, let's do a little bit of rapid fire. Sound good? Sounds good. Yeah, let's do it. Love it. Okay, first question, GIF or GIF? Oh, GIF for sure. Hard G. <laughs> it's got to be GIF. Absolutely got to be GIF. Okay, second question, Zoom or Slack huddle? I'm still a Zoomer in a lot of situations. We use the Zoom Slack integration. So forward slash Zoom and very easy to spin up the Zoom and Slack. That's just me. <laughs> I love it. Same here, Zoom. Uh, yeah, just uh, easier to follow. I think easier to tell when uh, how people are feeling. Okay, most used communication tool in 2021. Tyler, I don't know if you're going to give me a hard time with this one because I feel like product is very into Slack, but I was very much email for 2021, but I have some excuses here. I was juggling, planning a wedding, and I was in grad school, so I had three Gmail inboxes I was sort of toggling between. Otherwise, it might have been Slack. Okay, well, that's intense. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's a tough one. It's between Slack and Zoom, but I think it's probably more likely Slack, which is fine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? You know, it's just uh, can be sort of distracting, I guess, at times. So maybe uh, most used, not necessarily because I decided for it to be. So favorite communication hack? Ooh, I, I hmm, this one's a tough one. I would say something I've started adapting is if I'm on a one-on-one -on -one Zoom, I'll actually mute myself. And I found this is really helpful for making sure that I'm being fully present, listening closely, and waiting until the other person is finished speaking. It can be kind of tough in a virtual setting to see, okay, when is a good time for me to interject? Yeah, that's a really good point. 
yeah, I think for me, like I was saying, using Slack a lot. So uh, slash DND and Slack to put yourself in do not disturb is super, super useful. Uh, like I said, for those times when you've decided that, you know, you got to guard your focus time and, and just dig into it. That's great. So this is the last question and could be controversial, but Ted Lasso or The Office? I'm so curious what Tyler's going to say here. Ted Lasso is mine for sure. And I will admit I've never actually watched The Office. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I've watched both. Uh, really, really like Ted Lasso, but I think it's it's just an unfair advantage to The Office. Been around a lot longer. I've seen it a lot more times. It's got a special place to my heart. Okay, guys, you heard it here first. We are split. So now, <laughs> so now that we're warmed up, let's dive into our questions for today. To get us started, like most companies, HubSpot went fully remote in 2020 and is now hybrid, supporting nearly 5,000 employees through flexible work. So Tyler, I'm going to start with you, but how did your communication style change from pre-pandemic to now regarding how you stay productive and how you stay connected with your team? Yeah. So for me, like I said earlier, I'm on a product team um, leading, you know, like the engineers on the team. But actually when the pandemic started, I was just an individual contributor on the team, um, just an engineer. And I've actually almost always had a remote manager in my time at HubSpot. So I would say I was probably more prepared than the average person for like more of a, you know, remote work or hybrid work environment. But still, it's still a bit uncomfortable getting started for us. You know, we just really had to lean into writing up our thoughts in Google Docs and we use GitHub for like kind of our internal like task management, um, you know, using like async threads in Slack in order to really help people be able to like stay up to date with what's going on, but not necessarily in kind of like a really formal way because that was sort of foreign to us a little bit. Yeah, the biggest thing for us though is like maintaining a team culture and doing that, especially as new people join. Like since I've been tech lead, like we've had a ton of new people join the team um, and that's been really difficult. So just uh, takes a lot of attention, I guess. Kelsey, what about you? So communication style for me has always been really meetings driven and HubSpot, generally speaking in the customer success world, especially for folks that work a little bit more on the internal side of customer success. So who aren't customer facing, but are helping to shape RCS strategy are having a lot of meetings. And so in March, 2020, all of those meetings shifted online. And I would say that generally speaking, the meetings followed the same format. It was discussions, it was using virtual whiteboarding tools. But what I was actually finding was I was starting to feel really drained after these meetings, which is unusual for me because I love being around people. I feel very invigorated in sort of brainstorming environments or big group environments. And I sort of asked myself, okay, what's going on here? Why is this? And what I came to realize is while I love being around people and while meetings do serve a purpose, you don't get the same buffer time between meetings when you're in virtual meetings all day long that you did when you're in the office. So if you've been to any of HubSpot's offices, we have a not insignificant campus. So it can take a while to walk from meeting room to meeting room. And I really relied on that time to do some of my like deep thinking work. So if anything, my communication style during the pandemic has really questioned the necessity of meetings. Do these need to happen? Can we rethink some of the meetings that we were having before and put them in, as Tyler mentioned, a few asynchronous different formats? Can we be more asynchronous and more creative with how we're having these brainstorming sessions or collaboration opportunities? 
Yeah, I think that's great. And I'm really glad that you brought that up, Kelsey, because I was actually reading the other day that according to MIT, the average executive or what we would probably call here at HubSpot, Director Plus is actually spending about 23 hours a week in meetings, which wow. to me just blows my mind, but it also yeah. does it at the same time. Um, <laughs> so, so giving time back to be intentional is important to definitely be keeping your work week balanced. And we talk a lot about deep work, as you mentioned here at HubSpot. And I was really proud to see us host Cal Newport, the author of Deep Work in a World Without Email for Hub Talk this summer. And especially when the announcement came out that we had permanently implemented no internal meeting Fridays as part of our Unplug series. I thought that that was great. So I'm curious, how have these initiatives benefited or changed your approach to the work week? Kelsey? Yeah, I'll start with that. So I will say I did like a happy dance when no meeting Fridays were announced. I think that was in May of this year. So we'd already been living through more than a year of a global pandemic, having all of these Zoom meetings, working basically fully virtually. And I have to say they've been a game changer for me. I, I just talked a little bit about like how drained I was feeling. And I don't think I realized until no meeting Fridays were announced how much time that freed up for me and how much I was craving that deep work, that deep thinking time. And a word that's been tossed around, I feel like a lot during the pandemic, maybe you've heard about it, is this, this concept of languishing. And psychologist Adam Grant talks about it as the neglected middle child of emotional well-being and mental health. And it's really this state of just feeling kind of meh about stuff. And I took a moment and I was like, I am feeling like this. I'm feeling super meh. Mm -hmm. And Grant actually says the antidote to languishing is flow. And flow, he defines as really getting in the groove. And so No Meeting Fridays has really helped me to get in the groove. It's helped me to carve out more space for project-based work, to do deep thinking. I find that I'm more creative on Fridays. So it's just been really wonderful for me to free up that time. Not to mention it's it's made it easier to take time off too. You don't have to move around your schedule. You can really approach your Fridays and be like, oh, if I need to run an errand in the afternoon or I want to go you know, play outside with my dog in the evening, I can do that a little bit more easily. Yeah, Kelsey, I'm curious for you though, uh, given that you were saying, you know, like a lot of your time is meetings, you know, a lot of your, you know, work, um, operating system, I guess, is meetings. How do you, have like you adapted some processes in the face of no meeting Fridays or has it been more just like trimming down some meetings that you decided you didn't actually need? I'm so glad you brought that up. So imagine if like all of us just took all the meetings we had and instead of having them in five days, they were in four. <laughs> and that kind of happened for a little bit, oh, yeah? I'm not gonna lie. But one, one personal crusade I have at, at HubSpot with some of the folks I work with is, does this meeting actually need to be a meeting? And there are really two questions that I've been asking, and I push back on folks when I see invitations on my calendar that seem counter to this. The first question is, does this need to be solved in real time? Mm -hmm. And number two, is this to deepen or build a relationship? And sometimes meetings do both, but generally speaking, they fall into one of those two categories. If it doesn't need to be solved in real time, and it's not seeking to build or deepen a relationship, I tend to question whether it needs to be a meeting. And so I would encourage listeners of this podcast to consider doing the same thing and, and pushing back on some of those meetings. If you are evaluating going to a no meeting Friday or cutting back on the amount of meeting time that your team is having during the week, you can't just squish all of those meetings into the remaining work days. That just won't give you that reprieve that you're looking for and help you find that flow. Yeah, that's a great point. 
Yeah, I think it dovetails really nicely, like you were talking about Adam Grant's uh, area of research with Cal Newport, like Courtney was talking about. Um, and since that hub talk, I've actually read Deep Work, like uh, Cal Newport's book. And it was super, super interesting because it goes through, you know, sort of like the value of Deep Work, kind of building it up, you know, from not necessarily like first principles, but kind of like getting back to basics a little bit and building up to like why deep work is important. And it kind of comes down to him to the fact that deep work has is becoming more rare at the exact moment in history when it's becoming the most valuable, you know, because there's like a lot of work these days that, you know, in the information economy that it's really demands that sort of flow, that sort of deep work state, but also with like all the constant distractions that we're kind of naturally tending towards without kind of thinking about it deeply that, like I said, it's becoming like the more more rare than uh, it has been in the past. Um, so for me, like no internal meeting Fridays and like kind of putting it in that context of deep work uh, has really just helped me realize the value of staying focused and going deep, uh, especially since I've moved into this tech lead role in the middle of the pandemic. And the tech lead role at HubSpot is a hybrid role. So like some of your time spent doing people management stuff, some of your time spent doing individual contributor type stuff. And for me, no internal meeting Fridays are a really great natural way to kind of defend my focus time in a way, you know what I mean? And justify to myself and, and remind me more so like, you know, for the rest of the week, honestly, like, oh, I feel really good on Fridays when I can get a lot of focus time in. Maybe I should try to like build more of that into the rest of my week. You know what I mean? It's, it's um just kind of, like I said, reinvigorated that or, or made it clearer to me the value that's that's really inherent there. I love that. So your no meeting Fridays are a signal that you're starting to pay attention to for the rest of your week. Yeah, definitely. And I completely agree. I think releasing time for deep work leads to more time for asynchronous work. So I think that was such a great segue, Tyler. Mm-hmm. So with such a hybrid workforce, we've really worked on adopting an async first mindset here at HubSpot. And I love how Forbes actually refers to this as optimizing efficiency. So a question for the both of you, how are you using communication to lead a successful and productive team globally? And how do you lean into async to be productive? So while you think about that question, something else to consider, how are you clarifying what needs to be synchronous? Ooh, Courtney, big question, but I like it. I'm, I'm jazzed about it. And I should also say I, I come from a communications background. So before going into tech, I worked in PR. So I am constantly thinking about better ways to communicate a message or to use different mediums to engage with my team. So something that I think is more important than ever for teams that maybe haven't done this before is to actually create a communication strategy or a plan for your team. And that enables what I like to call information equity, making sure people have the right information to do what they need to do at work. And what is really important about a communication strategy and a good place to start would be to ask you and your team a few questions. What are some topics that we all need to know about? How do we like to communicate? And at what cadence should we communicate about those aforementioned topics? And I think those big three questions can help you dictate what's going to work best for your team. So Tyler's talked a lot about Slack and using Do Not Disturb or DND is a new acronym I'm going to add to my vernacular after this. But maybe that's something that goes in your communication strategy as a team, that you have a a piece of your time or a piece of your week that you protect 
where you're not slacking each other. So no meeting Fridays is great, but if you're getting slacks all day, maybe that interferes with your deep work. So really setting those ground rules for communication within your team and intra-team is really important. Yeah, I think for me, um, I think that most things can be async. Like uh, I think Kelsey uh, was talking about earlier, and I think the area she highlighted where synchronous communication can be really useful are also spot on. One big one is team building, I think, which is really difficult to do when you're not face-to-face with another human. The other areas that are really useful in like the product sphere for us are like brainstorming. Like if there's, you know, we need to like come with a lot of ideas quickly and like maybe one person has done a lot of legwork already to like think about something, but kind of needs other people in the mix now to kind of push it that extra step, like getting into a virtual room together to like think through the rest of the ways I've found really useful and kind of like in the mirror image to that, which is clearing up disagreements. So like if there's some areas where we aren't all on the same page, it can be sort of difficult to communicate those disagreements or kind of like work through them when you're just in threads. Cause I think a lot of times it can be a little difficult to communicate intent or like, you know, how much disagreement there is or, you know, just certain aspects of communication when you disagree, I think are more difficult when you're, when you're trying to do it asynchronously. That's such a beautiful point. I hadn't even thought Tyler, before you mentioned that, that disagreements or, or discussion where folks aren't aligned is a good opportunity to have synchronous communication. I think that's a really powerful call out, especially as people managers. That's something we definitely want to get ahead of. Couldn't agree with you more that a lot of stuff can be asynchronous. So thinking really critically about like, okay, we have very limited synchronous time. Tyler, I don't know what your team is structured like, but my team is all over the globe. We have very limited time where all of us are online or it's an agreeable hour for all of us. So we have to be really choosy with what we decide is synchronous. Definitely. Yeah. For us, most of us are uh, separated by like one or two time zones at most. But even in those situations, like I said, for, I, I think, for my team, at least, and I think maybe for like engineering teams in general, that deep work is super, super crucial. And, you know, like I said, there's something else that Newport talks about in deep work is this idea of like a hub and spoke model where it's like you need your hubs where you like come together with people and really, you know, push each other further on whatever ideas you're thinking about. But then you need those spokes to kind of like separate and do that kind of like deep thinking on your own. Uh, and I find that that's super relevant to my role. Love that. I'm, I'm getting a flywheel vibes here, the hub and spoke ah. model, and it helps us to accelerate our flywheel if we have both hub and spoke. There you go. Absolutely. So I actually want to come back to this idea that you mentioned, Kelsey, about information equity. According to Harvard Business Review, 57% of employees report not being given clear directions and 69% of managers are actually not comfortable communicating with employees in general. So a little bit of what we were talking about, about alignment. So Again, these numbers to me are pretty high. So Kelsey, can you give us a brief description of what information equity means and how you're thinking about it? Sure. So I'll give you kind of the formal like Webster dictionary definition here. So information equity is the fair or reasonable distribution of information. This can be among individuals or groups or regions, and it ensures that people have the opportunity to achieve whatever is important or meaningful to them in their role, in their workplace. And I'm a manager, which means I sit between my direct reports and more senior managers at HubSpot. So information equity and how I'm actioning it means I'm a gardener, not a gatekeeper. 
And the idea here is that I'm planting seeds with my team to help nurture them and grow them to find information on their own. They don't need me to communicate updates from the top. They don't need to go through me if they need to communicate outward. They have empowerment to find channels and leverage the existing channels we have at HubSpot. And one of our our tenets of our culture code is transparency. And so I think that is something that we've really done a nice job of at HubSpot is empowering folks to feel like they can get the information they need. We have a robust internal wiki. Everything that we talk about is very publicly accessible on Slack for our employees. So it is quite enabling to to be able to find what you need when you need it. I love that you use the gardener gatekeeper. I think we do a lot about talking about growing better here at HubSpot. So I loved hearing kind of how that seed is being planted. I think that was great. Mm -hmm. Thanks. So just as we measure productivity by looking at the quality of our output, how often are each of you revisiting your communication practices, whether it's individually or on your team? And how do you measure what's working? Interesting. Yeah. Individually, uh, I would say constantly. Like, I think it's just something that these days, especially, is just always in the back of my mind about how I can be doing a better job of communicating, you know, to my team or like even my friends and family, you know, because I think it's also like crucial communication that uh, often we don't necessarily think about in the same vein, but like has obviously been affected through the pandemic in very similar ways to like our work communication. As far as like the team, I think it's also pretty consistently at this point, um, especially just because for my team, we're still figuring out what works for us since a lot of our team, like I said earlier, is like relatively new and as of just like this year. So trying to, you know, regularly reevaluate what is working and what's not, like Kelsey was talking about because of how like we, the team want to communicate, how we want to work. Measuring what's working, that's a really, really difficult topic, I think. For us, we just kind of built into like our engineering culture is uh, just like regular reflection uh, for us on a monthly basis, just of like what has gone well or could be improved in the future, just like for across the team's processes. And for us, you know, the kinds of things we think about are sort of quantitative in some ways and that, oh, it's like, how much did we ship? Like how many of the things, like the priorities that we set out to work on this month did we actually manage to like finish off? you know, how many meetings are we having? What are the quality of those meetings? Uh, Which I guess is more qualitative. What like slipped through the cracks? But it's definitely something we're still kind of doing by feel. So Kelsey, I don't know if you have good tips there for me. I wish I did, Tyler. It's tough. (laughs) Measuring communications, especially internal comms is tough. I I do have an example from my team, uh, a signal that we got from the business that our communication style was not working. Mm -hmm. So I'm also on a new team at HubSpot. We, even though we're a scale up, we definitely have a lot of new teams. We're always thinking through new business divisions. And so I'm in a new business division Mm -hmm. and we were starting to get a lot of questions from the broader customer success organization of what we were working on, when they could expect updates on our various initiatives And this said to us, we weren't communicating at the right cadence. And we had published a few articles on our internal wiki, but those didn't make it out to the right folks. And so this said to us, we needed to adjust our strategy. So right now we're working through sort of a communications plan. And a couple of the ideas that we're tossing out include doing Q1 roadshows where we attend sort of the senior leadership meetings across the business and actually have FaceTime to get people's reactions and 
to get their buy-in on what we're working on because we are a, a servant org within our broader organization. So we want to make sure that we're not taking orders from the business, but making sure that we are in lockstep with what they're looking for our team to really prioritize. So to answer your original question, measurement is really tough. I think we're also going to be relying on sentiment. We're going to see how many people are attending those road shows, and we're going to ask for feedback, both from our internal teams, so within our organization, how are folks feeling about how we're communicating, and then our partner teams across HubSpot. Do they feel like they're getting the amount of transparency and information that they need from us? Yeah. Feedback, definitely crucial um, for us. You know, I feel like a lot of our communication on our team, just like in product in general, sort of inward, I guess, or, you know, like within the team yeah. rather than necessarily being like outward from the team. But so like feedback for us, like I said, is that kind of like regular re uh, reflection and kind of giving each other feedback or bringing out feedback from the team within. Yeah, I think that's great. Something else we talk a lot about is the importance of providing psychological safety and support to teams. So we're talking about feedback and a couple of other things. For those of you who are actually our listeners interested in learning more, I'm going to do a little bit of a shameless plug, but there's a great Culture Happens episode called The Secret Ingredient of High-Performing Teams from October of 2019 that talks all about it. So if you're interested in learning more, definitely check that out. But for today, for the question, what are some of the challenges that could hinder productivity and how can managers solve for them in regards to psychological safety? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so like I said, I became tech lead partway into like the work from home experience during the pandemic. I've kind of was able to see both sides of the challenges, especially in the hybrid work environment. Um, as an IC, the biggest problem for me was recognizing like when I was stuck on something a lot of times. So, you know, for example, you just realize after way too long that you've just like been banging your head against some problem. And like, if you had just like, you know, metaphorically turned to the person next to you and just asked their opinion, you would have been, you know, unblocked hours and hours ago. And I think it's really easy to see, maybe not really easy, but easier to see when you're in person in an office with people, when somebody's in that stuck state, because there's more opportunities to just kind of casually chat or like turn to the person and just, you know, kind of have that moment where you realize like, oh, this person, you know, needs help, or they just tell you directly, like, oh, I'm trying to figure this thing out. Um, so I think for me as an individual contributor, it was uh, needing to know myself better than ever to identify like when I really needed help, because there wasn't necessarily that sort of external stimuli. And as a manager, it's kind of the flip side of that, which is like rec recognizing when people are stuck. It's been sort of difficult sometimes to, um, especially with people who maybe aren't necessarily as vocal, who are stuck or need that like extra help in whatever moment, which we all do moment to moment. So daily asynchronous check-ins have been really useful for us. Just we do it in Slack and we just have like a reminder that pops in every day of just like, what did you work on yesterday? What are you planning to work on today? What things are in your way at the moment. And those have been really useful to just sort of when people have the time, just kind of like drop in there. And so we're getting like that regular sort of update, not necessarily to make sure that like, you know, people are getting, you know, their work done, but just to really find those spots where people just need like an extra push from somebody outside. Tyler, it's interesting that you're bringing up this idea of unsticking people. And this is something that's coming up a lot in the customer success world. So we have a support team, obviously, here at HubSpot, mm -hmm. and they are on our phones and web chats and taking email tickets from our customers. And 
we call it prairie dogging in the office where people sort of pop up over their desks and they're like, I have a question. And they ask the person in front of them and you can't really do that anymore. So I know you said you're having these, these check-ins with your team. Mm -hmm. Are there other forums that you're providing your team to help each other get unstuck? Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, for us, it's, we have like a couple things that we do. So we have those like daily async check-ins, like I was talking about. Uh, we do do like weekly status meetings where we all just kind of like talk about the things we worked on. You know, if the async check-ins are like on a day resolution, then the weekly check-ins, you know, are like on the week resolution, um, just to kind of get the broader picture. Uh, and then just with like the engineers on my team specifically, we have bi-weekly what we call dev syncs of just like, we just have this like standing calendar meeting. And sometimes a lot of times actually we just end up canceling it because there's nothing to actually talk about. But we found that just like having a block on the calendar, which is a place that you can talk about, like, you know, we actually hop on a Zoom and talk in person with each other about like, oh, if there's something that you're stuck on and we can work through that together. And again, it's just sort of like a signal to yourself of like, am I stuck? Do I want to talk about this? Or, you know, am I okay? And again, if we end up canceling the meeting, then that's fine. It's already sort of done its job of like, uh, no, I am not stuck on anything. So that's all signs pointing to good. <laughs> I'm so glad that you all are creating like deliberate space to talk about getting mm. unstuck. That was going to be, I think, my piece of advice, getting back mm. to Courtney's original question around like the challenges that hinder productivity, that feeling of stuckness and the way that you address that is to create some space. I'll also extend that to just more broadly employees' mental health. So whether you are a caregiver, a parent, or just a person trying to survive an ongoing global pandemic, mm -hmm. it has been a really challenging year. And you said this earlier, Tyler, you can't quite tell always in a virtual world if someone is feeling down or stuck the way that you might if you were in person. So mm -hmm. As a new manager myself, one thing I'm doing with my team is creating deliberate space to check in on mental health. And I guess this is advice not just for people managers, but for anyone who works alongside other people, whether you do this with a group of peers or your team or other stakeholders across the business. One tactic we used on my old HubSpot team that I'm actually taking to my, my current one is a weekly energy quadrants check-in. So we use this like four quadrant diagram with the x-axis being negative to positive and the y-axis being low to high energy. And we share in which quadrant that we're operating that week. So if you're feeling positive and high energy, for example, that top right quadrant, that's the performance zone. And if you say, I'm in the performance zone this week, that sends a signal to the team you're feeling positive and productive. And maybe the best advice you can give to your team is to leave you alone and let you do your thing. And then there's also other zones that might indicate you might need some help. So a survival zone, for example, might indicate you're feeling high energy, but a little less positive. Maybe you're frantic. You've got a lot on your plate that week. So by saying I'm in XYZ zone, it's sending a signal to the team that you may need some additional support and really signaling the ways to work with you. And I really liked this because it sometimes it's hard to name our emotions, right? It's really tough to be like, yeah, I'm having a tough time this week, or I've got a lot on my plate, or actually I'm in the groove, leave me alone. And by having the energy quadrants, it allows us a more easy nomenclature to actually say, here's where I'm at this week. And here's how to work with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really, really like that. I think it's super, like you said, the, just the labeling of the emotion, I think is something, an exercise that I find every time I do is really, really useful. And it's just one of those things that 
somehow I always managed to just skip. <laughs> Definitely. Creating the space has been really helpful for us. And it's helpful to do even multiple times a week. How are you feeling at the top of the week? And then maybe another check-in on Thursday. How's everyone on the energy quadrants? Are you the same as you were? If so, maybe that's a signal to your manager that like there's too much that you're working on and we need to reprioritize. So you said it too, Tyler, that like the cadence of check-ins is really important and adjusting that cadence based on what you're working on or what your team needs. I love that. And I think that's definitely something that we can all go forth and implement. So great point, Kelsey and Tyler. And y'all time flies because we have covered quite a bit in our discussion today and we are getting close to wrap up. So just wanted to say thank you both so much for taking the time to chat. But before we leave, I have one final question for the both of you. When we think about ways that communication is evolving, what's your prediction on what the future of productive and hybrid communication will look like? Tyler first, then Kelsey. A really good question. I would really love to know the answer. Uh, if I had to predict, I think for me, it's just going to be, you know, at least in the near future, continuing to get more comfortable with async in general. Um, I think it's still somewhat unnatural or it feels like there's a lot of friction I think because a lot of like the tools and systems we've traditionally used are you know biased in that direction you know what I mean that like that's this is the way people work it's always synchronous so like that's kind of how the tools push so yeah I think to sum it up I think it's going to be fewer meetings more deep work more async fewer meetings is music to my ears <laughs> even though I said at the beginning I love meetings yep, sometimes yep. I love effective efficient meetings so yep. if we can get more intentional with our meetings that would be an ideal future state for me so love that Tyler I would say I've seen some early data on this slack has a lot of their own proprietary data on this and they're thinking about this a lot I'm sure I'm seeing a clear trend toward collaboration platforms. So Slack and Teams and their popularity have just indicated that people like to be able to message quickly back and forth to solve problems. Mm -hmm. The other thing I think that has been a byproduct of this shift toward collaboration platforms is a more conversational tone. So we are seeing this a little bit with Slack in particular, but the, the use of emojis and the casualness by which people communicate has actually, for me, been really refreshing. Mm -hmm. If I were sending an email, let's say two years ago, I would sweat the number of exclamation points or emojis I was using. In Slack, the more enthusiastic, the better. So it's, it's taken a lot for me, especially as a woman, of the guesswork around how I'm, I'm coming across away from my communication. And I think that's been a really positive change as a result of shifting to collaboration platforms. So I see more of that and I don't see us moving backward to more formal communication. In fact, I think conversational is probably here to stay. Yep, we love our Slack emojis. Got we plenty. sure do. <laughs> and that is a great point to end on. So that does it for today. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you, Tyler for sharing your insight. And thank you to our listeners for tuning into this episode of Culture Happens, HubSpot's podcast all about the future of work and company culture.